Yo, 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 welcome back to Just Talking Sports, right here on UCM The Beat. I'm your host, JT Noah, and we got a great show for you today. We're talking upsets in college football last week. We're talking about my problems with the AP rankings. Then we're taking a swing into the MLB, and we're looking at my top 10 teams in baseball right now. And then to finish it off, you know the drill. NFL, baby. It's going to be a great show. I hope you're ready. Buckle in. It's going to be a long ride, and let's get right into it. All right, first off, let's talk about those upsets. And first off, let's talk about Kansas State. Headed down to Norman, Oklahoma, and they took down Oklahoma, the Boomer Sooner. The team that I literally just said last week was in the top four. And they literally show up and do that for me? Come on, guys. Really? You make me look bad. Come on, man. I felt so good about you, and you just just didn't show up. Like, mm, come on, man. Three out of four games against K-State in the four years you've lost to them. What is it with K-State? Like, do they have something against you? Is it because they're a wildcat? Is it because they're purple? Tell me, I need to know the secret, please. But all right, let's get right into it. First off, Adrian Martinez. This man, whoa, comes out of nowhere. He's been okay all year, but then he just shows up and does what he does to that defense. Unbelievable. He had five total touchdowns. Four rushing, one passing, and 382 total yards by himself. K-State ended up winning 41-34. Incredible. After losing to Tulane at home, you go to Norman, Oklahoma, and beat Oklahoma. Make it make sense. (laughs) I mean, come on. You blow out Missouri. Okay, I get that. Missouri, mm. Even as a Missouri fan, all hype, no show. You destroy Missouri at home. The following week at home, you lose to Tulane. Then the following week, you go to Norman, Oklahoma, and you put it on them after we have been talking about Oklahoma being a good defensive team in the Big 12. Like, oh, oh, college football, man. It makes you question everything. And right there is a prime example. You really thought Oklahoma was going to be good. And then they're like, (laughs) no, we're done. We're not doing this. We'll lose to K-State like we do every year. (laughs) Incredible. And the thing is, this year in the Big 12, there's no easy game. There's no, like, bye week. Yeah, usually you get two bye weeks, the real bye and then Kansas. Well, we'll get into that later, but Kansas is not a bye anymore. They're the real deal. So... K-State goes to Norman, Oklahoma, puts it on them, makes them look bad, makes everyone question what is happening in Oklahoma. The next one, I called it, I I will give myself praise here, I did say Texas Tech was going to beat Texas, and they did. Texas Tech beat Texas in Texas Tech in overtime. They won 37-34. The defense for the Red Raiders came to play in the second half. Literally, they didn't give up more than 10 points in the second half. And they had only given up 7 until the final drive when all of a sudden their defense played too soft and gave up the field goal to tie the game to go to overtime. So, I don't like the coaching at the end of regulation. Then... In overtime, Texas gets ball first, and Dijon Robinson, the running back, doesn't fumble often, but he fumbles in overtime. Red Raiders hop on the ball, get the ball, get into field goal range. I mean, you're already in field goal range once you start overtime, but you know college kickers. They move the ball a little bit, make it more manageable and more comfortable for their likings, kick the field goal, and win. It was a great game. I think Texas Tech made the right adjustments at half. They were down by 10, came back, and won this game. I liked what I saw from Texas Tech. Listen, it's it's going to be hard in the Big 12. Usually, like I've said, there's a couple of teams where you're like, oh, 
uh, little walkthroughs. No, this this division conference, excuse me, is going to be a tough one. And I think this is the prime example on why we need the playoff explan- expansion, not expansion, expansion. Listen, there's going to be a team that wins the Big 12 that's probably going to have at least three L's, three losses on their record, and they're not going to get in to the playoffs, and they're going to be a good team. That three-loss team is going to be a good team, and they're not going to get in because you only get four, and so that one slip-up is going to cost you. And we're going to see who is going to be there at the end, but it's going to be costly. And that's why the playoff expansion is so big to me for college football. All right, let's move on to this. I'm going to say it. There is a problem with the AP rankings in the top 25. I'm going to give you three teams. Two of them are ranked. One is not. And I want you to tell me who you think should have should be ranked. And if all three should be ranked, that's fine. But one of them's not. All right, Team A. First game was at East Carolina. They won 21 to 20. Second game at home against Charleston State. They won 55 to three. Texas Tech, and they won at home 27 to 14. And then at home against UConn, won 41 to 10. Team B played at home week one against New Mexico State, won 38 to 0. Second game, Western Illinois, they won at home 62 to 10. Week three, at home once again. Colorado comes to town. They won 49-7. And last week at Michigan State, their first road game, and they won 34-7. And Team C, Tennessee State at home week one, won 56-10. Week two at West Virginia, won 55-42 in overtime week three at Houston 148 to 30 and week four at home only their second home game won against Duke 35 27 now here we go with the revealings team a none other than number 10 NC State okay Team B ranked as well. Number 21, Minnesota. Okay, so who's Team 3? JT, who is it? Well, guess what? It's the team he despises. But the team that deserves respect. It's the Kansas Jayhawks. They're not ranked. They're not ranked. And you're wondering to yourself, will they... Played more road games than those two teams did. You are correct. JT, they seem like they played a little more tougher teams. Well, you would be correct in that sense too. But they're not ranked. They're not. It's incredible. You have Minnesota. They're undefeated. Congrats. Awesome. But you've played New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado. All of those games were at home actually as well like Colorado is as low and even possibly lower than Nebraska is Colorado is not good at football folks not good but oh let's not rank Kansas because uh they played Tennessee State at home or oh they had to go to overtime at West Virginia to win come on man That's the problem with the AP. These polls and rankings are met because they don't want to look bad because of how they were ranking teams before the season. No one thought Kansas was going to do what they're doing right now. I will tell you, I didn't see it at all. I I, I don't even think a blind man would have saw it. 
They're playing phenomenal. Props to Kansas. And as a Mizzou fan, I hate it. As a sports fan, listen, as a sports fan, there's a difference taking your biasism out in your sports. But as a sports fan, it's awesome. Looking at Lawrence going crazy, the booth, the stadium they play football in, seeing fans there, it's awesome. I'm happy for Lawrence. I. It's awesome because... You want to have that fan engagement. How fun would it be to go to empty stadium when it's not even COVID year because you're not good? Now you've turned it around. Literally, this team is the talk of college football. I'm talking about them because they need the respect and they're not getting it. Listen, they should be ranked. And honestly, Minnesota shouldn't be ranked. And I don't even think... Kansas State should be ranked. I would have put Kansas over K-State. K-State beat Oklahoma at Norman. Cool. They've lost a game to Tulane. That should mean something. It was at home for also. This is incredible. How is Kansas not ranked? You want to? I'll keep going. Listen to this. Kansas has got 125 AP votes. That's incredible. And you still didn't make it. They are number one in touchdowns. They're tied with Ohio State for the most in college football. That's awesome because they don't score. They they were 3-27 in their last 30 games coming into the season. Listen to that. 3-27. What? They've won as many. They've won more games this season in four games than they had won in their last 30 coming into this season. Like, that's incredible. Also, they have the sixth best strength of schedule. Sixth out of the whole country. What? And they're not ranked. Unbelievable. And they're the fourth ranked scoring offense in the nation. In the nation. Just listen to that. So number one in touchdowns. Fourth in scoring offense. And sixth best in strength of schedule. And they're not ranked. Like what? I get that we didn't see it coming. But that's the greatness about college football. About any sport. It's the teams you don't see coming that hit you harder than a wrecking ball. You gotta give this team respect. And you know what else? Jalen Daniels is in the Heisman chase. Way too early Heisman chase. And I'll get into that in a minute. But right now, what he's done through the first four games, he will be sitting at New York when the end of the season comes if he keeps this up because it's incredible what he's doing, how this team is performing, and they're not getting the respect from the AP. It's incredible. All right, that was my little tangent, and I can't believe I just went on a tangent about Kansas, but it needed to be said. Now let's move on to the Heisman Chase way too early watchers. Well, I'm supposed to talk about my team, Missouri, Because that incredible ending was atrocious. And if you didn't watch it, I'm so happy for you. Because you would have watched the most creditful game at the end of the at the end of the first half and all the way through. At halftime it was 14-14. No one scored in the second half. Crazy stat, 12 straight punts in the second half. And eight of those were three and out punts. Like, dude, what? Incredible. And then Mizzou's kicker, Melvis, missed a 26-yard field goal at the end of a regulation to keep it tied. And then to put the cherry on top for Missouri fans, my man, the running back Pete, he fumbles as he's walking into the end zone and Auburn recovers. Unbelievable. Um, So, yeah. Um, Go Kansas, apparently, because Kansas is on top of the world and Missouri's just crumbling in front of us. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping no one outside of the fan bases of Missouri and Auburn watch that game, because if you did, that's really bad to watch. That's almost as bad as watching the Sunday night football game uh, with the 49ers and Broncos. But that's for another story. Now. On to the Heisman watch. And in number one, it's going to stay with C.J. Stroud. 
the Ohio State quarterback. He has 16 touchdowns, a 95.4 QBR, which is second. You're wondering who's number one. You'll find out. And he has 1,222 yards. That's why he's in front. Plus, his team is ranked number two. In my rankings, they're number two because I think Ohio State is playing really well. Alabama's looking shaky. At number two, here it is, Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels has a 98.0 QBR. That's number one, folks. He's above C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, you name it. Jalen Daniels for Kansas is leading the nation in QBR. He has 11 touchdowns, 890 passing yards, so not as much, but here's the kicker. He has 320 rushing yards. So, yeah, he's using his legs more than any of the other quarterbacks on this list, and it's working to his advantage. He's he's using his legs. He's making himself a dual-threat QB. At number three, Bryce Young, the QB Alabama. 13 touchdowns, 1,029 yards. So he started off slow, and we're going to see how he plays when, when he goes down to Arkansas. At number four, this man, this one's hard because you he's a tight end, and I was scared to put him on my list at the beginning of the season because if you usually use a wide receiver or tight end, it means the quarterback's playing well. Well, in this instance, it's not because of that. It's because they're utilizing him more than you would think. He's getting rushing touchdowns, folks. He has... Three rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. So he has five on the season. But the big thing is, is he's getting those rushing touchdowns. This is a big body tight end. Brock Bowers for Georgia is who I'm talking about. I love the man. Five touchdowns on the season, and I love how he's getting that rushing game going. He's going to be the first tight end taken off the board in the NFL draft, and he might go in the top ten. And at number five, Will Anderson, the linebacker, Alabama. He has four and a half sacks on the season. He started off slow, and we'll see if he kicks it up when it comes to the season of SEC competition. But right now, I think it's a two-headed race, if you ask me, between C.J. Stroud and Jalen Daniels. And Jalen Daniels is like... Most of those players you don't see. Joe Burrow winning it that year. No one saw Joe Burrow winning it. What about Lamar Jackson? That one year, he just came out of nowhere and won it. Jalen Daniels is like that person. He's the one no one saw coming and who can snatch it from the favorites. And if you placed money on Jalen Daniels to win the Heisman, you might be in for some big cash takeouts at the end of the season. All right, games to watch and upsets for this coming week in college football. Last week I went 2 and 2. Just saying, 2 and 2. You might want to listen to me. All right, these are the games to watch. There's a lot cuz conference plays kicking it up. First one, number 7 Kentucky heads to Ole Miss, number 14. Ole Miss is a 7-point favorite. And as much as I don't like Ole Miss, I like Will Levis a lot for Kentucky, the quarterback. Give me Kentucky to win and cover. Number nine, Oklahoma State versus number 16, Baylor. Man, Baylor's a two-point favorite. I get it. They're home. This is going to be a tough one, man. I really like the Cowboys in this. Baylor lost early to BYU. It might have helped them. But BYU, I meant Baylor, excuse me. Baylor is still trying to find their way. Oklahoma State hasn't played anyone like Baylor has. Like I said, Baylor went to BYU. But I'm going to take I'm going to take Oklahoma State the Cowboys. I like Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State can win the Big 12. Number 10 NC State versus number 5 Clemson. This is the game of the week most of the time, most of everywhere, and it is this week. Give me Clemson. Clemson played close last week against Wake Forest. And I just don't know. I don't trust NC State. I trust Clemson more and Dabo Sweeney. So give me Clemson. And I think they will cover the six and a half. Number 22, Wake Forest versus number 23, Florida State. Wake Forest coming off that home loss 
to Clemson in overtime, double overtime, excuse me. Florida State, the team, like most others on this teams that we didn't see, was one of them is Florida State, undefeated, at home, seven-point favorite. Give me Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest bounces back from that loss. It was a close, tough loss. But I could also see them losing because they gave it their all trying to beat Clemson. So now I'm second-guessing myself. What's new? I'm going to stick with my Wake Forest pick because they'll win. But if Florida State wins, Florida State's covering the seven. That's how I see it. Wake Forest wins or Florida State wins and covers. But I'm taking Wake Forest. All right, number two, Alabama. 17.5 point favorites on the road headed to Arkansas. Arkansas just lost a tough game to Texas A&M. I'm going to take Alabama, and I'm going to say Alabama covers. Listen, Arkansas plays a tough game against Texas A&M. Arkansas then goes at home to play Alabama. That's a recipe for disaster. You gave it your all against Texas A&M. Give me Bama to win and cover the 17 and a half. Now my upsets of the week. These are weird ones, but it's because of the favorite. Like as in point favorite. Iowa State heads to Kansas in Lawrence. And Iowa State is a three-point favorite. Make that make sense. Iowa State isn't undefeated. They've lost a game. Kansas undefeated. And they've played tough opponents. I like Kansas at Lawrence. Give me Kansas to win. And the other upset, which another one that makes no sense in the points favoring, it's Indiana versus Nebraska. Indiana has heads to Nebraska. Nebraska is a five-and-a-half point favorite. And if they bring out what they brought against Oklahoma, they will get stomped. I don't like Nebraska. Give me Indiana to win. So my upset upsets are Kansas over Iowa State and Indiana over Nebraska. Just because those two teams, which you wouldn't think would be favorites, are favorites. And that's why I just have to go against them, guys. I think Kansas is better than Iowa State, and I can't believe they're not favored, so I'm going to take Kansas, and I don't like Nebraska, so give me Indiana. All right, guys, when we get back from this break, we're taking our bets, and we're swinging right into the MLB side of this. All right, guys, right here on UCM The Beat with Just Talking Sports. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else, childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom, juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Yo, 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 welcome back, guys. Man, we're going to get right into it with the MLB. And we're going to start with teams making moves or already making decisions that will impact next season for them. And we're going to start with the Kansas City Royals, the hometown team right here 
in Kansas City. The Kansas City Royals last week, I should have kind of talked about it last week, but I thought there was going to be some more moves that were happening, and it didn't happen yet. I think it'll come, but it hasn't come yet, and that is the Royals decided to let go of lead baseball executive Dane Moore. Listen, Dane Moore, I want to say thank you first off for what you did for the Royals in those years where we made it to the postseason and we got to the World Series in back-to-back years. Listen, props off to that. But ever since then, it's been shaky and you've made some moves that haven't worked out in our favors for you and nothing has gone well at all. Listen, back-to-back AL pennants in 2014 and 2015, which... Obviously, in 2015, the Royals won the World Series, so that's the big news. They lost the following, they lost the year before to the Giants, Game 7. Madison Bumgarner, probably one of, if not the greatest World Series and postseason pitchers and pitching numbers to ever have come through, and we just couldn't get through that. But then that following year where we made some more moves to make the team just a little bit better and we almost lost to the Houston Astros come back in that game four to tie it up bring it back to Kansas City we won that series so it is great that he did that but like I said ever since then nothing's happened good for us the farm system's been building and we'll see what the Royals do from now I think Mike Matheny might go at the end of the year, but we'll see. Then, moving on to another team making moves, that would be the Miami Marlins. They're going to let Don Mattingly go at the end of the year. And he went 437 wins to 584 losses. A lot of games, not many wins, but... He only had one winning season in seven seasons. That's right. One winning season in seven seasons. Not very good for my man Don. Uh, They made the playoffs in 2020, but also that was the pandemic shortened season. They went 31-29. and So if you're thinking, eh, they probably wouldn't have made it in a full season. And then... It was their first playoff see, uh, po- postseason appearance. Excuse me. Words can be hard uh, since 2003. So he did have that one good moment. But other than that, he's been no good for the Miami Marlins. We'll see what happens with them and their coaching looks. We'll see what they do. I like the Marlins. I think they're young and there is a destination for them in the near future. And I think they need to bring in a young, more versatile manager that can work with these guys. And we'll see what they do. Now let's move on as we're talking about young. Let's talk about the youngest team in baseball, those Cleveland Guardians. They clinched the postseason spot by winning the AL Central. Incredible job by them. Like I said, youngest baseball team in the baseball world of major leagues. It's the first team to win a division with at least 16 rookies that puts the in the major leagues. The Guardians have done two things that I think make this team scary come postseason. Just like the Royals when they went to the postseason in those years in 2014 and 2015. Listen. They put the ball in play, they make the defense make plays, and they have this spectacular defense with a great back-end bullpen. Their closer leads the league in saves. It's great. So you put the ball in play, make the defense make the plays, your defense makes spectacular plays, and you have that pitching in the bullpen that can close the game. Just like the Royals. The Royals didn't make errors. This team for the Guardians does not make errors. So if they're going to do something like this with a young team, it's awesome because they have the recipe to make big-time plays and big-time upsets. Yankees, if I'm you, you don't want part of the Guardians. The Astros, they can deal 
with the Guardians, but no one wants to play this team in the Guardians because the Guardians will make that series living hell for anyone because there's no purpose for what they could do. They don't make errors. You will have all the pressure on you. These young guys, they won't care. They're out there having fun. No mistakes. Let's just put the ball in play. Let's bunt over, get the ball moving, and we'll bring in our closer and our back-end bullpen that is shut down. So that's beautiful. I like what the Guardians see. And like I've said, I see so much of like the Royals when they made the postseason. And then the big, big, big news that happened while... I've been gone for the week. I mean, I haven't been gone, but you know my show only comes out once a week, Thursday, noon to one, every Thursday. But here's the big time news. Albert Pujols in LA, Friday night, 700. Yeah, that's right. He hit 700th home run, also with 699. It was awesome, amazing, spectacular. Doing it in LA had to be awesome. Listen. I've thought of many ways that where Albert Pujols didn't want to hit it. And I'll tell you, you want to hit it in St. Louis? I know he did. L.A. would be second. And honestly, people think I might be crazy, but I think he wouldn't mind hitting it in Kauffman Stadium at third. Just because Kauffman Stadium is still in this state and a lot of St. Louis fans would have been at the game. Because, I mean, let's be real. Royals fans aren't going to show up. <laughs> I just say. But... L.A. would have been literally top, top right there with Bush Stadium just because of him playing there last year. And like he said in an interview after hitting it, they made him feel happy and enjoy the game last year because he was thinking about retiring. They resigned him and he enjoyed the game and he came back one extra year and he hit 700. Awesome. He... Becomes the fourth player ever to hit the 700th home run, joining Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. Now, Pujols joins a certain little category for himself because he's the only one to hit 699 and 700 on the same night in the same game. So props off to you, Albert Pujols, the machine. Congrats on a great career you got the regular season 700 home run. You're going to the postseason because the Cardinals clinched the ALS, or excuse me, NL Central. So you get to go to the postseason. What would it be? What a magical run would it be if the St. Louis Cardinals got to the World Series? I'm just saying it'd be one of the weirdest things. Honestly, I wouldn't be upset with it. I'm not. I'm not here with biasism or anything, but I think it would be really cool to see Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols in the World Series. We'll see what happens. That NL is stacked and loaded with firepower teams, so it'll be very hard. But just think about it. The baseball gods may be listening and saying, ooh, that'd be kind of fun. All right, let's move on to my first ever on the show, top 10 power rankings for the MLB. And let's start off with number 10. Actually, I got an honorable mention. This one's going to be a little funny. Honorable mention. Philadelphia Phillies. They're 83 and 71. And they're a half game lead over the Milwaukee Brewers in the wild card. But listen, the Brew, or excuse me, the Phillies are losing at a drastic pace. They've lost three straight. They're slipping up. You don't like to see it if you're a Phillies fan. And it's the bullpen. Their bullpen is not good. Will they clinch together and find a way to hold on to the last wild card spot? We'll see. But the Brewers are right on their tail. And at number 10, the Milwaukee Brewers. 83 and 73. My biggest problem with the Brewers, though, is inconsistent offense. One day, they'll show up and score six runs. The next day, we'll get two whole hits. There's no consistency with the baseball bats and the swinging. Got to find consistency because if you don't, the playoffs will end sooner than you think and you won't even make it, bud. At number nine, the Tampa Bay Rays, 85 and 70. Once again, it's like the hitting. Their hitting is just like, uh. Their bullpen is, 
eh, you got to find something, Tampa. You got to keep it going. And another big thing has been injuries. But hopefully they can get healthy and get right. But right now they got to find a mojo. That hitting and bullpen have got to get in a team meeting and figure it out because they need to be better. All right, number eight, Toronto Blue Jays, 87-69. and 69. Their starting pitching after Manoa has been very bad. Alex Manoa has been a superstar this year for Toronto. Other than that, where is it going? I don't see anything. It's not there. Got to find some more starting pitching depth. At number seven, the Cleveland Guardians. Listen, there's things I will say that worry me about the Guardians. Even though they have been great this regular season with no air, like very few errors. Obviously, they've had errors. But the thing going into the postseason is now everyone's eye is on you. So right now and in the regular season, you're like hunting the hunted. But now you're the hunted because they're like, oh, you're actually good. So now the eyes are on you. So will this young team start to crumble a little more? We'll see. But that youth is a little bit to be worried about. Also, number six, St. Louis Cardinals, 90 and 66. Now, we talked about the Guardians and how good their defense is. Their defense for the Cardinals can be shaky. There have been some games where the defense just doesn't show up. They'll throw a couple airs, cost them some runs, and they'll lose the game. So they've got to be more consistent on that defense. The Atlanta Braves is at number five. There's 97 and 59. Can they close close games in the bullpen? With their bullpen. Their bullpen has blown so many saves. There was a couple games where they could have won. And they could be in first right now in the NL East. Instead, they blew it. And now they're sitting in second in, in a wild card spot. Instead of home field advantage for winning the division. Number four is the Yankees, the New York Yankees. They're 96 and 59. Listen, I'll say this. The Yankees, they are not scary. Like, that offense, there's a couple batters. Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo on a good day. But I'm just saying, there's not that many scary bats. You either hit a home run or it's an out usually for this Yankees team. So I'm scared when they find... Go up against a good pitching staff, a.k.a. the Houston Astros. What will they do? Houston has owned them, and we'll see if that continues. I'm scared if I'm a Yankees fan because you have nothing outside of Aaron Judge. So what happens if he has a bad day? That's all I'm going to say. Number three, the New York Mets. 98-58. and 58. Will pitching haunt them, or will the injuries haunt them? Listen, pitching injuries have happened. And it's not look good. The inconsistent pitching uh, injuries. Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, they've been injured. And if they come back, will they be the same for the postseason? That's the one worry I have for the Mets. Austin. Number two, Houston Astros, 102-54. and And the only concern I truly have for the Houston Astros is their catchers. I know, I know, I know, Houston. Don't come at me. All you care about with your catchers is defense. But they are not good hitters. They have the MOB worst .551 OPS, folks. Horrible OPS. A 551 OPS. Not good. It's the worst in MLB. They've got to find something. And maybe they don't. It has worked all year, but that could come to bite them. With no catcher that can hit consistently. And number one, it's the Dodgers, Los Angeles. They're 107 and 48. And the only like real concern I have is their bottom of their lineup. It can get sketchy. And then there is times where their pitching does hurt them in the bullpen. Say a, a starter goes a little bit shorter than normal. And then their bullpen comes in. Their bullpen is not deep where it can go top to bottom and be scary. That's the one concern I do have for the Dodgers. But other than that, those Dodgers, I think it's a it's a collision course right now for the Dodgers and Astros to meet in the World Series. 
The only team that I could see coming out from the NL other than the Dodgers would be the Braves because the Braves always pull something out of their hat, and it works. And the only team I could see maybe for the AL, I mean, the AL is just like, eh. I'm not saying the Yankees. I don't trust the Yankees. I would, I, honestly, I would have to probably go Blue Jays, and I can't believe I'm saying that. That's how crazy it is. I just think the Astros are so much better than anyone in the AL. So that's the power rankings. We'll see what happens, but my first 10, my first power rankings, let me know how I did. Alrighty, guys, when we come back, it's the NFL, your favorite time of the show. We got Pro Bowl talk. You're like, whoa, Pro Bowl talk, talking about week three and hopping into week four. That's right here on UCM The Beat. Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled, and we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM, with campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm still here, JT Noah, like usual. It's time to hop in and throw some footballs in the NFL. But we're going to talk about the new changes that the NFL announced this past week about the Pro Bowl. Let's get right into it. The Pro Bowl is no more. Let's just say that. Pro Bowl, bye-bye. See ya. Now it's a week-long skills competition, and at the very end of this week-long competition, it's a flag football game. I mean, most people are like, isn't it already flag football? No, get it straight. It's a two-handed touch football game with pads on. Come on, man. Anyway, now it's been a full contact game, you know, event since 1951. And guess what? They have a new name. It's not the Pro Bowl. That's why I said it's the Pro Bowl no more. It's called the Pro Bowl Games. Get it straight. The Pro Bowl Games. That's right. Not the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl Games. Because it's a skills competition. And I think they saw this coming. Think about it. They've been doing a lot of competitions the last couple of years. The throwing competition. Dodgeball. I mean, you've seen it all. So I think... They saw like the fan bases and people watching were more entertained by those competitions than the football game. And I was, I, I'll be honest, the last time I really sat there and watched a Pro Bowl game probably had to be when I was like 14 or 15. And, and, and it hit me at that time, like, why am I watching this? This is no fun. And it's, it's not. Like, they went through that phase where you would use NFL legends to draft your team, and I didn't like that. And now you're on to this. It's just like, eh. I think this is the right move by the NFL, and we'll see how it goes. I think everyone agrees that it was time for a change. And this year, it'll be held in Las Vegas, so we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, no one does anything too dumb to get themselves in trouble while in Vegas, but we'll see. Now let's move on to some storylines in the NFL headed into week four. First off, I want to say this in the most nicest way possible to my Miami fans out there. And if you're listening, Miami fans, well, one, thank you. I don't know how you're reaching this. And two, I hope you're being safe out there with the hurricane. I, I, I totally hope everyone in Florida is okay. 
I, I pray for all of you because of that devastation from Hurricane Ian. Um, I just hope y'all are being safe out there and you get the resources you need so you can build back up and be a strong community. I know it didn't hit Miami in particular, but all of Florida, I do. I think of you and I pray for you during this horrible time. But going back to the Miami Dolphins, you got to pump the brakes, folks, with that uh, two is the goat kind of thing. Listen, <laughs> whoa, dude, you're crazy. That's what I think. One, uh, two, two, uh, destroyed a young Baltimore defense in the fourth quarter who blew bunch of coverages. So I'm proud of Tua for hitting the open man. And two, you played the Buffalo Bills practice squad defense, I'm pretty sure, because there was eight starters out for that game. And if I'm being real, you still should have lost that game. But that's for here or there. Tua... If you go out tonight and you perform well and there's like nothing like I can see that you've done and you win this game against Cincinnati tonight, then we will talk about, okay, maybe Tua is this guy that everyone was wrong about going into the year. But right now, I'm still questioning you and I'm sorry, Tua. I have to. All right. Number two, Doug Peterson, Dougie P., this man, I don't know why we really questioned it, but we shouldn't have. Listen, Doug Peterson has got to be the front runner for coach of the year. What he's doing with Jacksonville, insane. I love it. It's awesome. We'll see what happens. They're 2-1, shutting out the Indianapolis Colts one week, and then the next week, obliterating the Chargers at L.A. Incredible Dougie P, and I don't know why, like I said, we questioned him. Listen, he did this with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, got to the Super Bowl, and won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. So, I don't know why we thought, oh, the Jags and Trevor Lawrence can't do anything because they're bringing Doug Peterson in. Doug Peterson is the main reason the Eagles have a Super Bowl championship. So, I do give credit to Doug Peterson, and I don't know why we didn't see it coming. Also, we got to stop with, oh my gosh, Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy were arguing before halftime. Folks, it's a competition. It happens all the time. I bet it happens more than you think. It's just behind closed doors and there's no cameras. Pump the brakes. It's going to be okay. They're going to find it out and we'll see. I do believe the offense is going to make a change this week against a really good team. Tampa defense and I think it's going to make a statement they need to do that we'll see if they do also so much for the AFC West being that top dog division right yikes 0-3 Raiders 1-2 Chargers 2-1 Broncos and 2-1 Chiefs and I it's incredible the Broncos could be 3-0 if they didn't fumble twice at the goal line and that horrible time management in Seattle, or they could be 0-3 because the Texans had a chance to win and the 49ers would have won if Jimmy G doesn't step out of the end zone, out of bounds for a safety. But then again, as I'm thinking of it, he also threw a pick six on that same play. So maybe, maybe he made the smart decision by stepping out of the end zone because he knew he was going to throw the interception. I don't know. But what I do know is if I'm the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, I'm infuriated. Like, how do we lose and I gave up nine whole points? You scored 10. Like, what? Unbelievable. Oh, that's crazy. And another thing. This is why we love the NFL. Listen, Bills, Chiefs, Buccaneers, and Chargers all lose. Chargers, they're going to charge you. They're... Poor, I, I, I don't know what to say to Charger fans anymore. One thing is, is why were all your starters out there when you were down 38 to 10, especially the man, the myth, Justin Herbert? I don't get it. 
Um, now you lost Slater for the season. Bosa's on IR. Herbert is very questionable with his injury. So the Chargers are going to charge her. The Bills didn't have a defense. They had a practice squad defense. The Bill, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs special teams literally didn't show up. And Tampa has got injuries on injuries on injuries. So this is why we love the NFL. We love sports because any given day, one team can win and one team can lose. Now let's move on to the power rankings. And I tell you, this power ranking was wild. I I, I don't know. Like y'all can come at me, but this has got to be crazy to me. It's it's crazy, right? Like what? Like so many teams. And who would have thought the last two undefeated teams would be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins? The Miami Dolphins? What? I'm befuddled. Unbelievable. All right, number 10, the Los Angeles Rams. Not ranked last week. They're 2-1. Here's what they got to do. They got to be better on offense. Stafford's got to get the ball to his playmakers. Cooper Cup, what is wrong with Allen Robinson? Um, Cam Akers has got to stop fumbling. I mean, he's got butterfingers. Stop eating the butterfingers before the game, Akers. Come on, man. Number nine, Jacksonville Jaguars. They're two and one. And my biggest question right now, is this a hot streak just to begin? Or is this something they can keep going? And I think they can. It's going to be fascinating to see. But I think Trevor Lawrence is playing phenomenal. That defense is flying around. And so we'll see. I think it's going to be a big test this week for them playing the Eagles. And we'll talk about that game here in a minute. Number eight. The Baltimore Ravens. And people are going to be like, why do you have them so low? Well, they were ranked 9 last week. They won, and they're 2-1. They beat the Patriots. But my my biggest question to them is their secondary. Will their secondary produce game in and game out? I know they're young, but you got to learn, and you got to stop the mistakes. They owe busted coverages. So they've got to figure something out, and they got to do it fast. Number 7, Minnesota Vikings, I almost didn't even have them on the list because I thought they were going to lose. <laughs> uh, they were number eight last week. They're two and one. Biggest concern right now for the Vikings fan is how healthy is going to be Cook. Dalvin Cook went out. Is he going to be healthy, ready for this week? And we got to see more consistency from Kirk Cousins. And that defense can be shaky. We're, we're, we're sitting here like, Almost asking, what did Dan Campbell do? Should he have gone for it? Should he have kicked it? Obviously, now you're like, oh, well, you should have gone for it. But I think the right move, honestly, was to kick that field goal because it didn't make them score a touchdown. Even though they did score the touchdown, if he makes it, it, it just changes. So I don't, I don't blame Dan Campbell, and I don't think he should hold it on his head that long. Number six, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were third last week. They're two and one. They've got to find weapons for Tom, and they got to get healthy. I mean, well, Mike Evans will be back. He was suspended. Julio Jones injured. Uh, Chris Godwin injured. I mean, now you have Gage injured. Injured. So I don't. They've got to find some doctor that helps them, just like Buffalo does. Number five is the Green Bay Packers. They go from to ten to five. I move them up that high because. They did beat the Buccaneers, and I think week one was a fluke. I always, it seems like Aaron Rodgers is just bad in week one. So I moved up the Green Bay Packers, but we've got to find someone who's going to step up outside of Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard. Those two are Aaron Rodgers' key weapons. Who's going to step up? outside those when the defense takes those two away we'll find out because it's going to happen sooner than later number four don't come at me number four kansas city chiefs the kansas city chiefs are number four listen my biggest concern is not special teams listen special teams will be fine harrison bucker will be back there's talk he might be back this week we'll see we got rid of amandola the kicker goodbye farewell so long that's the reason you weren't on a team when we signed you is because of that um i'm also not too worried about patrick mahomes in the offense the weapons will come he'll find a mesh with them i do think 
there won't be big play opportunities. He did miss that one big play to MVS on the first drive. Travis Kelsey dropped a touchdown against Indianapolis. So self-inflicted wounds happen. And they happened a lot last year. It was just we got out of those. And we still could have got out of those this week with a win. Just didn't happen. My big concern is offensive line slash run game. Listen, offensive line was supposed to be spectacular. They were supposed to be number one in the NFL. And I knew they wouldn't be number one because... I liked the Eagles' offensive line more than ours, but they haven't shown anything. Orlando Brown doesn't take a big contract and thinks he deserves more. Well, the free his agent, I should say, is going to be taking film from last year's and not this year's because I'm, I'm pretty sure I counted three times my man Orlando Brown was sitting on his butt because he was getting bulldozed over. So, uh, uh, Lorando Brown, my friend, can you please block for my man Patrick? Um, so, in the run game, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, seven rushes for zero yards. You heard that right. Seven attempts for zero yards. Crazy. Baffamy, my friends. How's that happen? I don't know. We'll see if they can figure it out, but they've got to find some consistency with the run game. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. Yep, I put them ahead of the Chiefs. The Dolphins are 3-0. They were number six last week. They beat the Bills. They have beat the Ravens. So props off to you, Dolphins. I don't trust you enough to move you ahead of the Bills, and you'll see... But I still need more answers from Tua. So until then, sorry, you're not going ahead of the Bills. And that's because I have the Bills at two, not one, two. The Bills would have won this game hands down, smoke shop away if they had their defense. And I know injuries are a part of the game, and that's fine. But not even just that. There was some bad plays in this game that helped the Dolphins big time. Before halftime, uh, Josh Allen fumbles the snap to spike it. That would have set up a field goal. He fumbles it. You can't uh, spike it because that's intentional grounding. That means you run the play and they lose all the time to kick the field goal. So that's no good. You also have them outgaining you by almost 200 yards on offense. The Bills did that to the uh, Dolphins. So, yeah, I do think the Bills are still better than the Dolphins, even though the Bills lost. So, also, um, if you didn't, that offensive coordinator for the Bills, if you haven't seen it, um, he was a little upset at the end of the game. Just a little. It looked like someone was raging playing Madden. Or, and for my instance, it looked like a Missouri and Kansas City Chief fan after this weekend of football. Just saying. He was throwing everything. And he might be getting a fine from that NFL. So, moving on to number one. It's the Eagles. Philadelphia, man. Philadelphia has the best offense and defensive line. Hands down, Great. Jalen Hurts is showing up and performing. The one thing I am concerned about, and I will say it again, the one thing I'm concerned about for them is their run game. The run game can be very shaky at times. You don't want to put all your marbles in the hands of Jalen Hurts. That's all I'm going to say. But the Eagles have looked brilliant. And the reason I have them above the Dolphins is because, yeah, they haven't played the competition the Dolphins have, but the Eagles have handled their bad competition beautifully. Yeah, they played the Lions close, but the Lions scored late to make the game look closer than it really was. They put it on the Vikings, and they destroyed the Commanders. So, yes, number one, Eagles. Ten Rams, nine Jaguars, eight Ravens, seven Vikings, six Buccaneers, five Packers, four Chiefs, three Dolphins, two Bills, and one Eagles. Eagles get the crown for the week. Games to watch. Dolphins versus Bengals. 
Four-point favorite are the Bengals. Give me the Bengals. I'll give them the four. 27-23, Bengals win. Sunday, the Jaguars head to Philly. Six-and-a-half-point favorite are the Eagles. I think this is what's going to show if the Jags are good. Give me the Eagles to win by 10. I think the Jags do play well and slow this offense down for the Eagles. And the Chiefs on Sunday night head to Tampa. The game has been announced. It will be in Tampa Sunday night. Chiefs are a road favorite going to Tampa. Tom Brady, 13 times in his career. Tom Brady is the underdog at a home. Yeah, 13th time in his whole career that he's a home underdog Chiefs are two point favorite give me the Chiefs to win it's going to be a low scoring game 20 to 17 Chiefs Bucker plays Bucker kicks the game winning field goal I just said it yeah my last thing my alma mater high school plays tomorrow night one of the biggest games in Kansas City area Lee Summit North high powered offense heads to Raymore Peculiar in Peculiar Missouri to face the 4 and 1 Panthers the Broncos are 4 and 1 it's going to be a very great matchup the defense for the Panthers scares the living crap out of me because they can't stop anyone and we'll see if the Broncos defense can stop the high powered offense of the Panthers it's going to be a high scoring game I want to say Panthers. I really do, but I think the Broncos are in a collision course to face Liberty North in the Class 6 semifinals. So give me the Broncos to win 44-37. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed. Next week's going to be phenomenal. You know the drill. I'm here every Thursday, noon to 1, on UCM The Beat, just talking sports. Come listen to my beautiful voice. And for all of you that thought I really had ADHD, I don't. My mom actually listens to this, so it's awesome. And she says I don't. So thank you, Mom, for listening. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Y'all have a great one, and we'll talk next Thursday. All right, bye, guys.